finding morality today. We'll spend a couple of weeks on this. And there's a reason that we're doing this. Uh, well, one, because it's a word and it's something Holy Spirit put in my heart uh, some, maybe three weeks ago. And when he did, I began to re- just reflect on where we are as a society when it comes to morals. What do they look like? And I'm going to be asking these five contestants, um, I'm going to be asking them some questions here in a moment and kind of put them on the spot, but I'm not looking for any particular, I'm not looking for a particular answer. I'm looking for your answer, okay? So whatever, when I ask the question, whatever it means to you, that's what I want, okay? It doesn't, don't try to fill in the blanks. Don't try to say, well, I think this is probably going to be right. This is probably what people want to hear. It's irrelevant. What I want to hear, what we want to hear is how you see the answer to the question you're going to be asked. Fair enough? And I'll give you opportunity. I, th- I don't think I'm going to just uh, pick out one person to, uh, other than Claire Bear. I might, I might ask her a specific question. So in today's society, people take lightly things that matter to God. Can we agree on that? Literally, they joke loosely about things that in reality have eternal consequence. It is so easy for people today when they think of God. This is why when we sang that song, Behold, just saying that word, Behold, all this was coming together in my mind because I think what gets lost is there's not much beholding going on. I think there is the, this word has come up numerous times today, both before service, during service, and now, And that is the default, this word default. To default to something means to fall back on that thing that is the most prominent in our life regarding a particular thing. So in other words, as Alex shared, our default is to do when we worship the Father what is the most prominent in the minds of believers. And that is to raise our head and to close our eyes. And that is the default. So... For society today and for the world today, believers or non-believers, it is too easy for people to take lightly things that matter to God. It just doesn't matter to them, especially within the church. I mean, you can even find it within the church. I, I'll tell you something that I just hate. I don't like it. You'll, people may say it. Well, they do say it. They say it. Some people say it even here. And it's when... People will say things like, oh my, and then they'll say God. Oh my God. I can tell you that bothers me. Because it is putting him in a loose moment that says to him, you're fitting for this simple nothing moment. I'm going to slide you in here because whatever. Now someone might say, well, that's just a slogan. But that slogan minimizes the capacity of God to be bigger than that moment. Does that make sense? So it's really easy for us to take lightly the things that matter to God, and we very often joke very loosely about things that have eternal consequence. In other words, an example for that would be when we are communicating with people and we are talking to people, and and I have been guilty of this before, and I think all of us have, But we will take things and use things, statements very loosely that again have eternal consequence. And we'll say something like, I'm using an example. Um, We might say something, if I see Sam do something, I'll say, you better be careful. Because that will get you to hell. You know, very loose, in a joking manner. um, But we'll say something just loosely. I don't know, I'm not speaking of anything in particular, Sam, but... (laughs) 
Your arm is around. No, it's your wife. Okay. The, um, but we'll do things very loosely without recognizing the significance of what we're putting in there. And there's a reason that we do that. And we're going to talk about some of these today. So I've asked these uh, volunteers to join me this morning. And I am going to ask just a couple of questions um, or a few questions. And I want you to answer these questions for me, okay? So I'm, you know what? I think maybe the best way is... I need a microphone. Let me see. They didn't know I was going to do this, so because they might volunteer. They didn't, but I thought they might. So the first question is this. So let me, let me explain what a moral is in reference to what we're talking about today. A, well, in fact, let me read it out of uh, Merriam-Webster. Sa- it says, he says, Conforming to a standard of right behavior. So a moral, in light of what we're going to be talking about the next couple of weeks, is right behavior. What does it mean to do? What, what is the right thing to do? That's a moral. So I'm going to ask this question. Claire, I'm going to start with you. I am going to ask you specifically. Are you ready? You can hold this microphone. Thank you, young lady. When I say, Claire, I want to ask this exactly like I have it, morals, doing the right thing, what does that mean to you? Like, well, like, if you praise God a lot of times, it just makes me feel like that's the right thing to do more often than, like, doing something else than thinking about God or, like, that. It's great. So let me ask you this. So would a, is it right to honor your mama and daddy yes and i know that's so because i watched i witnessed that last week would it be wrong to let me use the right word would it be so then it wouldn't be right if you say said something ugly about your sisters or brother that would not be right, correct? Yes, that would not be right. So let me take it a little bit further. And then we're going to ask these general questions and you guys can answer. In fact, some of you can answer this. So to do the right thing is to worship God. We want to worship Him. It's not right to not worship Him. Do you think that when we worship Him that He teaches us through that worship yes. what is the right thing to do? Yes. I do too. Good answer. So I'm going to ask some of you the same thing. What does it mean to you when you hear the word moral? What does that mean to you? Anybody? I don't always know the right thing to do in the situation. If I'm quiet and listen, he'll tell me. But I always know when I do the wrong thing. Well, what does it mean? What does it mean? When you hear moral, though, what does it mean? What does it... Does that bring up any particular thought in you about what it? the right thing is, or what the moral thing is, would be something that I want God to see me doing. I want Yahweh to see me do this because I know this would make Him happy. This would glorify Him. This would honor Him. Well that said. to me is the moral well said. Thing. Good answer. So, anybody, would you consider yourself a morally conscious person? Yes. Why? 
How did you arrive at this place where you believe you are morally conscious? And someone else can answer this as well. No, you can answer. No, I want you to. <laughs> you first. How did you arrive at the place where you believe you are a morally conscious person? Because defining morals, see, what is morally right to you might not be morally right to Rebecca or vice versa. So you came to that conclusion somehow. So how did you come to that conclusion of what is morally right to you? I have no idea. I just do. So do you believe that in your daily doings, in your life, you're just rising up and going to bed, that between morning and evening, or whatever your day it looks like, do you believe that there's just a sense of this is right or this is wrong. So that didn't come to you through any other way. It's simply a sense in you. Um, I do. Um, and I also believe like every action there is a reaction. So when I do something I'm not supposed to, the reaction is very, very bad. So I try to do the right thing to get a great reaction versus a there bad reaction. There you go. Good. So Rebecca, when, would you consider yourself a morally conscious person? Yes. And why? How did you arrive at that place where you can say, yes, I do? Um, I base it on what, you know, based on what I've read in the Word, what I've been taught in, you know, church, um, you know, what God loves. I'm going to love what he doesn't love, I don't love. And I follow that path. Okay. So now, Emily, I'm going to ask you this question. Before I ask you the question, I'm going to make a statement. So there's a difference between being morally conscious and being morally active. It's one thing to know what the right thing is to do. It's completely a different thing to do it. It isn't the same thing. So would you consider yourself a moral, morally active person that you actively desire to do what is the right thing to do? Yes. And how have you arrived at this moral standards so that you believe well let me ask let me back up does it bother you when you do something that you know this wasn't right yes and the, it bothers you how did you come to that place where it bothers you where it wasn't just the old saying it's like water off a duck's back you know the rain fell but didn't slow the duck down he just kept doing what he wanted to do well if I know what I'm doing is wrong um, I know that I shouldn't do it so I don't want to do it, and but I accidentally do it. So to know what is right and to do what is right is important to you. Yes. Okay, thank you. So Claire, one more question. So for you, as you have, how old are you? Tell everybody how old you are today. Nine. Claire's nine years old. So at nine years old, do you on a regular, like every day, does your mom and daddy help you learn something else that's the right thing to do? Yes. So when they're teaching you how to do the right thing, does it bother you that they say, Claire, this is the way to do this, or are you glad that they're helping you? I'm glad that they're helping me. Good answer. That's the right, that's, that was the right answer. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. You can be seated. Thank you very much. Come on, give them a hand.
So when we go through a process like this and we're looking at all of these different options, you know, we have to ask ourselves about morals because morals are so defined so entirely different. If I lined everyone in this room up across, all around the walls of this room and I went to each one and I, and I began to give, and I almost did this, by the way. This was not everybody, but I was going to take a group of people and I was going to say, this is the situation, is it morally right? And I was going to ask each one. And then... I begin to think about it, and then I thought, but if someone says yes to this one or no to that one, then what do I do? So I'm not doing that, but I am pointing out today that being there, can we all agree that morals are not man's idea? Where do they come from? Who are we born of? Who breathed into us? Yahweh, God. He breathed into us. So when He breathed into us, what was the essence that filled us? Say it again. Righteousness. Now within righteousness, there is no immorality. Am I making sense today? Within that, there is no immorality. Within righteousness, there is zero immorality. Now, when sin was introduced into man, invited into man, and was introduced. At that point where unrighteousness filtered in, all, say this with me, all immorality, all immorality is, found is found within unrighteousness. So, if unrighteousness is anti-right, anti-God, if unrighteousness is anti-God, it should not be really that difficult. Man, I, I don't know if I'm going to get through even what I have for today. It, it should not bother us when we become aware of something that's a part of our life that is not righteously a moral thing to do. Right thing to do. Does that make sense? Shouldn't bother us. What should happen is if somebody said, if we became aware of, you know, I want to honor the Father. And everybody, the, the, the theme was exactly what I was hoping for. The theme was, we want to bless the Father. My heart is that what He says to me to do, that's what I want to do. And I wanted that to be on a natural level. I want to bless a mom and dad. I want to honor them with what they're teaching us. So if the, the idea is that I want to, want to honor Him, that is my goal. If I become aware of things that don't, shouldn't we really... Want to bring correction to that? Let's talk about these things today. So finding morality. Everybody say finding morality. Finding. We only have to find what has been lost. At least to us. It might not be lost to others, but it might be lost to us. We find ourselves looking for those things that somehow have gotten lost to us. And I can tell you within society today, at least from the window that I look through, morality is just not as important even today as it was when I was growing up. There were, there were very clear lines as to what morality was, and it was based a lot around what the Bible said morality is, and that's still a really good measuring stick. So let's talk about this today. In uh, Merriam-Webster Dictionary, morals are defined like this, conforming to a standard of right behavior conforming to a standard of right behavior. So who decides what the standard is and or what right behavior is? 
Who gets to decide? Here's the thing. Today, popular opinion. Today, popular opinion gets to decide what is morally right. Today, whatever the group says, that's acceptable. Much of the battle that's going on today, much that divides Democrats from Republicans, much that divides them is because one views morals one way or calls something morally correct. Another one calls it very differently. This is, this is what morally correct looks like to us. To one, it is complete inclusion. To the other one, if you begin to include all of that, it gets watered down and the moral is lost. So you've got this line. So what has happened is Republicans, and I'm using this because everybody can relate because we live it every day. Let me say conservatives and liberals. So, so that way you don't feel politically engaged. So conservatives have their own definition of what morals are. And they decide whether it be in the courts, whether it be wherever they are, whether it be in the chamber. They decide what their morals are. Liberals decide what their morals are. The problem with man deciding what morals are is that it will never line up. There will always be a war. When men or women, when I say man, I'm talking about everybody. When man begins to decide what the morals are, there's always going to be a battle. And the, the root of what morals came out of will ultimately be lost. Again, if I went back to the exercise that I was going to do, and I was going to throw out a few examples, and then I thought, of all the ways that could go wrong, I decided not to do it. But even in my mind right now, I can't help but battle myself from just throwing some things out there to you. But there are, there is a reason that finding morality is critical to the church being able to become and be in the earth the glory of God that we worshiped and, and ministered to him with this morning, the song. There is a place for you and me to come to. So who decides what that standard is and what is right behavior? It isn't the conservatives, and it is not the liberals. The person in charge of deciding what is morally right or wrong is the Father. Everybody say, the Father. The Father. Yahweh God. Listen to me today. I don't know. It doesn't matter who defined for you what morals are, what is right or wrong. At the end of the day, what is right and wrong isn't decided by a group of people who sat in a room trying to figure out what's acceptable. Morals are morals because they're not acceptable to everybody. Righteousness is righteousness, and it's called that, and it's defined that because it is the light that shines the truth on unrighteousness. <laughs> Try to just stay with me. So while to the world, they don't even like the words. In fact, I, I couldn't find the article, but I saw it back a few weeks ago when I was beginning to prepare for this. I could not find it, but I know it's on CNNthere.com if you can find it. But there was an article on there about why they don't even want to use the word morals anymore. Not CNN, but just society itself. They don't want to use the word morals. And you know why they don't want to use the word morals? Because morals says something. It says something's going to be required of me. And I'm going to have to decide. See, if, if I know that this is not morally correct, 
and I continue to do it, it's on me. And I have responsibility for that thing. But if I don't know that it's morally incorrect or that it doesn't honor God, as we talked about this morning, if I know that it doesn't honor Him, if I know that He would not be pleased with it, and yet I continue to do it, something's wrong. I'm going to throw one out. Premarital sex. Get your pants on and leave them alone, him or her. Don't blame him and don't blame her. This was one of my questions. I just decided I'd throw that one out there. Because in today's society, my wife and I went into a place the other day to speak with somebody. We had a meeting with someone. And we had to sit in the lobby of this particular place. And when we were sitting in the lobby waiting on the gentleman that we were meeting with, while we were sitting there, the secretary or assistant or whatever she was, she was a receptionist, I guess, she was behind the desk. And we just, Kim and I talked to everybody. So we were talking and, and while we were waiting and just having a conversation with her, and, she, and it was graduation, and Kim had seen the sign out in the front of the building that said someone was graduating in Mount Dora. So... Uh, Kim inquired of her and said, is that your daughter or son, whatever it was? And, um, and she said, yes, it is, you know, and, and this is the deal. You know, she's 18 years old, and, and, you know, and she begins to go off on the story. And she says, and now, you know, her boyfriend has moved in with us, and they're sharing a room in the back of the house. And she said, and, you know, my dad, is he's really opposed. Her granddaddy's really opposed to this because they're young. And she said, but I'll tell you what I, my stand is. I told my daddy, I said, Daddy, you know what, in your day, that's what they did. But in my day, you know what, I want my kids to live with them for five years, figure out if you're compatible, and then you can decide otherwise. I'm going to, everything in me wanted to stand up and say, are you an idiot? <laughs> have you lost your mind? You have taken something very precious and cast it to the pigs. You're saying to some little boy, he can steal what might not even belong to him. Is anybody hearing me today? I'm just trying to make it plain for everybody in the room. If in our mind, see, but some people would say, that's not morally incorrect. That's just what society does. But when society chooses what is morally correct, it isn't morals. It's popular opinion. And there's a big difference between popular opinion and morals. So let me just go ahead while I'm on that soapbox and tell you, if there's anybody under the sound of my voice online or in this room and you're having premarital sex, would you please stop? Stop for your own sake because, one, you're dishonoring. Don't act like you love God while you're doing that. Don't act like morality matters to you. Is anybody hearing me today? I'm just throwing that out there this morning. I, you know, I don't know anybody. I, mm, eat the bread if it's on your plate. That's all I'm saying. What I am telling you, if you've been there, one of the things when I do premarital counseling is I say this because I'm always afraid of what the answer will be. So I don't ask, are y'all having premarital sex? I know all the kids in the room right now, the parents are like, oh my gosh, why did they stay in here today? I'm sorry, but they need to hear too. Yeah, I'm not sorry. 
But one of the questions that uh, I ask, instead of asking that, I don't ask that. I ask them this. I said, I don't know what you have done or you haven't done. It's not up to me. What I am going to do, though, is say this. If you have been together, and I'm just going to, I'll say it that way. If you have been together, stop now until you are married. Because everything you do in that regard before he puts a ring on your finger and you put one on his is dishonoring to the Father. So I'm not going to ask if you have or if you haven't. What I am going to say is this. If you have, and only you know, only the two of you know. If you have, the first thing you need to do is ask God to forgive you. Repent and get it right so that she can be to you and he can be to you what God intended each of you to be to the other. Is anybody hearing me today? But how do we come to a place in society where men run around looking for a woman to bed? got very quiet or women are running around flashing everything on Instagram and social media and saying I invite you without saying I invite you I'm finding morality I can't help it I was part of it I hope we have a crowd next Sunday Because when we're doing that, is it all on the man? Is it all on the woman? It's on both of them. But I can tell you what I can do for me is I can make a decision for me and I can say, you know what? I know what the Father says about this. And I'm not giving away what is precious and what is a jewel and what, is, what he is proud of to somebody just, be, just to have a moment. So I'm just going to say it really plain. Men, get your pants on. Women. Pull your dress down or whatever it is you're wearing. I mean, keep it right. You know what I mean. <laughs> keep everything covered. <laughs> People wear different things nowadays. I don't know what to say. That didn't go well. So Mark chapter 7. Turn with me there if you would, please. Mark chapter 7. Let's read starting with verse 20. And he, Jesus said, everybody say Christ said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, for, for from within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these things, these evil things come from within and they defile a person. All of these things come from within, these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. You know, there is an opportunity that you and I have, and I know there's some uncomfortableness in this room. I can feel it. I can feel it. I can feel in some. There is, but I'm going to tell you what I want you to feel. I want you to feel the weight of opportunity to get it right. I want you to feel the weight of a God that loves and he wants things right and in order. I want you to feel the opportunity that the Father's presenting you today to become aware of what you might not have been or to repent of what you were aware of and denied. I want you to be, become aware of the moment that the Father is giving you today to set things in order so that he can turn and then bless you. Can somebody say amen this morning? So what comes out of a person is what defiles him. If what comes out of us, if what, put your hands on yourself and say what comes out of me, out of me 
is what can defile me. So I want to make sure that what's in me honors God. This goes back to if I think about Jacob, if I think about what was said in the beginning, and I consider beholding the song that we sang earlier. If I think about beholding the Father, behold the glory of God. If I can sit and be quiet just a little bit, I promise you the Father is not keeping any secrets from anybody. He has no secrets that he wants to keep from you, Sandra. None of us. No secrets he wants to keep from you, Austin. The Father, in fact, Christ said it best. He said, everything I know about my daddy I want to make known to you. There's nothing I know about, nothing I'm aware of that I want to keep from you. Everything I know, what do you want to know? Just ask. Well, the only way I can do that is if I present myself and I put myself, Haley, right in front of the Father and I say, I am going to sit and I am going to behold you until you show me. I'm going to give, I want to wait until you show me who you need to be in me in this moment. And when he begins to do that, he begins to redefine those things that haven't made sense for so long in any of our lives. So all these evil things come from within and they defile a person. So what advice would God give us to us regarding being grounded in his morals? If he were going to give us advice, he would say exactly what we sang this morning. Behold, I am your God. I think about the scene in the Ten Commandments where Moses, Charlton Heston, takes the staff, touches the Red Sea, stands up on the rock, and he says, Behold the glory of the Lord. And you know, it's, it's Hollywood. It's theater. But man, is it powerful. And what an opportunity to say to the whole world, a movie that was supposed to be a flop, Said it will never, because it costs so much to make. And nobody wants to hear the Ten Commandments. And they found out everybody wanted to see Moses or Charlton Heston stand on a rock and say, Behold, the glory of the Lord. Because the truth is, it is an aid in all of us to want to honor the Father in our rising up. And somewhere down deep inside of us, not even an atheist can say, I don't want to know God. They can say it. But somewhere down deep inside of them, there's a place that hungers for the things of the kingdom of God. And part of knowing God is recognizing and becoming aware of what is morally right. What is the right thing? That word moral, it's a loose term. But the righteousness of God, we're going to make it synonymous with morals today. Because doing the righteous thing, the thing that honors the Father, that is the moral that He is looking for in you and me. So, for you... And I'm asking a lot of questions this morning, and if you're following along in the Holy Bible app, I hope you'll answer these. But as I ask these questions, I want to ask again, or ask now, for you, in your mind and in your world, does that scripture, all these evil things come from within, within and they defile a person, does that scripture have any influence over how you set your moral compass? Does it have any influence over that? Or does it have no influence at all? And your moral compass is set simply because of what everyone else says is acceptable. It was very easy as I was growing up. Uh, for one, I, I had a father that was absolutely amazing in every way. I love and honor him. Um, uh, theologically, we didn't completely align. Once I came into the kingdom, we didn't line up totally. 
didn't change the fact that I love my dad. And my dad was an incredible voice of strength to me. And I can tell you, when I would get out of place, my father would say, son, that's not right. Or he would say, son, this is right. Well, dad, why is it right? Well, this is why it's right. And he would share with me why it was right. And then there were times I would watch my dad do what he told me wasn't right. I would see him do it. But it never was about, son, I'm going to do everything perfectly. But I'm going to tell you what I know. I know the right thing to do. Even if I don't do it, it doesn't change whether or not it's the right thing. And he established in me a pathway of what was morally acceptable. Again, in my childhood, going back to what we talked about a while ago, the idea, no, no, yeah. The idea of sleeping with somebody before we got married was shameful. The idea, even in my time, I'm 56 years old, even in my lifetime, the idea of living with someone before you got married, it was shameful. It was shameful because much of the nation, at least to some measure, honored God. And they could see that this doesn't bless him because of a lot of reasons. But over time, everything gets watered down and morality gets lost, becomes a non-issue. So I'm going to ask a question. Do morals get in your way? Let me ask it of all of us. Do morals get in our way? Do we pretend like that isn't important or I can't believe he's saying what he's saying? Do we say, I'm not going to receive what he's saying today if you don't receive it? Are you saying that because it gets in your way? Are you saying it maybe because you're going to have to change your behavior? That's what morals do. Morals cause us to refocus our attention on the thing that is right. Morals bring into focus those things that, that the Father really has purposed for you and me. And when we're finding morality, we're positioning ourselves before the Father and we're saying, show me again, open my eyes again and let me see what somehow I lost sight of. And I see it right there. This is the right thing. Well, I'm, what I'm going to do today is I just found out I'm hanging out in the wrong thing. So I'm going to repent and I'm going to wake up. I'm going to find myself in the middle of the right thing again. And we can choose to repent and then make it right and find morality, find the righteousness of God in the right thing. Or we can stand there and we can say, I hear everything that he's saying and I don't like it. His morals are getting in my way. Or we can do exactly, take it a little step further and say, that's his opinion. That's his opinion, but that's not my opinion. Well, if we serve the Father, our opinion should not differ. What is the standard? <laughs> and maybe that's part of it. Maybe not enough people know what the standard is. The morale, moral standard is today because they, they haven't heard the word. They haven't allowed themselves to be saturated by the truth enough. They've listened to a lot of lies and because the lies will lead them to a place that's easier than sometimes the truth will. So they lay hold of the lie instead of laying hold of the truth. And as long as they're living in the lie, 
morals can never find a place to root in their soul. And therefore, the Father can never be glorified. So do morals get in our way? Are they getting in anybody's way? Don't answer. I'm just, it's a rhetorical question. But do, the mor- do morals get in our way? Do we, do we ignore these things and say, I'm just going to pretend like I never heard that, and I'm, that's one podcast I'm not going to listen to because it's in my way. Hmm. We have learned as a people, we have learned how to become immoral and do it with a smile. (laughs) It's true. Society, even in the church, we've learned how to become immoral and do it with a smile. Again, I'll go back to uh, social media. Because we will plaster things on social media, we will throw things up on social media and think that it's something to be celebrated when in reality, it's something not everybody needs to see or be a part of or hear or whatever it is. Is anybody hearing me today? So when we come to this place and we have become... If we become an immoral person and we're doing it with a smile, most of the time, I really believe this about people. I believe that if we become immoral and we do it with a smile, if we know we're immoral and we do it with a smile, it's because we've lost sight of what morals really are. And we become so confused that we can laugh in unrighteousness instead of repent of it. The Father is calling you and me to a place that is beyond what everybody else is doing. You and I, we were not called to a place that is birthed out of popular opinion. We were not called to a place where we accept this is okay because everybody else is doing it. We were not called to a place where we had no influence because our voice is like everyone else's. We were called to a place where there is a very clear line between what is of God and what is not of God. We were called to a place where we can represent something that makes a statement, a clear statement to everyone else in the world. There is a way, and if I will walk in this, a life will be changed for the glory of God. Hmm. We, all of us, all of us, every one of us, under the sound of my voice, literally are a product of an evolution of moral ineptitude. We have allowed ourselves to become a society incapable of possessing morals because they get in the way. Moral ineptitude means that society has done exactly what I said a moment ago, become a a, a society has become this, this amoeba, this place, this culture where... We don't know, we're inept, we we don't have knowledge of what morals are, so we don't even pursue the right thing because it doesn't matter anymore. It's been so watered down and lost, we're inept. There's no passion, there's no wisdom, there's no intelligence, no mindset that says, I want to do the right thing. But all the while, the Father is saying, I'm calling you back. There really is a moral compass. There really is a line. And I can tell you, Roxana, if there's ever going to be somebody that knows Steve Parker that doesn't want to know the God I know, I hope it's not because I have somehow watered down who he really is in the standard that he really does ask of me. 
I hope I will never get to the place where I'm willing to water that down and say, you know what, that's important to you, God, but it's not really important to me. I hope I today find myself in a place where I'm saying, Father, of every single place where I have been out of line, every place where I have overlooked your moral standard or what you call me to today, I want to find morality again, and I want to find it through repentance, and I want to draw out of you, and I want to see again, and I want to hear again, and I want to do the right thing, and I want to honor this woman, and I want to honor that man, and I want to honor those people that are around me. And I want to honor myself. And I want to say, self, if you're important enough to God that he said this is the way, walk in it. This isn't it. And self, make it important to you. Make it important to you and begin to draw the lines, not ugly lines that are mean to people, but lines Again, I go back to, and I just used it again this morning because I use it all the time, the woman at the well. I've said this, and I say it again. There's not an issue, there's not a situation in the life of any person that you will ever live that cannot be addressed in the story of the woman at the well. There's a principle to be drawn out of that for everything, anything you will ever walk out. And I can tell you, when he's standing there with that woman at the well, and she's talking, and he's talking to her, and he's discovering her, he wasn't about saying, You're doing everything wrong. Everything you've done is absolutely wrong. You pitiful woman. He didn't do that. He said, I know, I know, I know. Thank you for sharing with me, young lady. Thank you for bringing me your truth. And your time was important to me. He didn't even say, I don't believe anything you just said. He just began to tell her a story or show her a different picture. He opened a different window in her house so that she could see her environment very differently. He didn't break the window she was looking through. He just opened a different one. Is anybody hearing me today? There's something to be said about lambs being led to a slaughter. Everything about culture today, especially with where we are. I love, this could be misinterpreted, and I hope it's not. I hope you'll hear what I'm saying. I hope I can say it so that you understand what I'm trying to say. But we have a culture today that thrives on everybody being exactly the same and doing all of the same things. If you don't do it like everybody else, you're terrible. We have this culture that wants, there's a word I want to use, but if I use it, I'm going to be misinterpreted. So we just are in a, I don't, I'm going to be misinterpreted. We're in a culture that wants socialism. I'm I'm, I'm not talking about a government socialism. I'm talking about a mindset of socialism. A mindset where if it's right for one, it's right for all. And there's nothing wrong with anything. But see, the lamb led to the slaughter in that scripture. (laughs) Those poor little sheep, they thought they were going to be groomed. They thought they were in line to be groomed and cleaned up and the ticks pulled off of them and the mites pulled out of their ears and the nails clipped on their feet so they didn't curl around and grow into their flesh (coughs) because that's what happens. But the lamb that's led to the slaughter led to the slaughter. 
thinking that they're going for one thing only to find out that they're going to be sitting on someone's dinner table that night having no idea. This is the culture we're in today. And we have opportunity. There's not a great big group in this room this morning. We don't represent thousands of people. But if all we represent is one, everyone sitting in this room today can help another by recognizing I will not be a lamb led to the slaughter. I will not be the one that follows just because the one in front of me said we're getting our nails clipped. I'm going to find out what's at the end of this line. I'm going to find out where they're taking me. And if this thing doesn't honor what the Father created me to be and to do, I'm getting out of this line. So my word to you today might be this. Maybe it's time to get out of the line you find yourself in. The thinking, the, the idea, the way things are and recognize, you know what, if I keep going this way, there's no good end. Finding morality for you and me, Jacob, Hyde. Finding morality for us today, Haley. For us, for you, for me, whether young or old, Emily. Finding morality in us today should not even be an option. It should be a desire of our heart. Father, I want to know what honors you. Every one of you set it up here today. I want to do what honors the Father. But it's one thing to say it, and it's another thing to set ourselves and say, you know what, there's some things I'm going to change in my life. Because the decisions I'm making aren't just affecting me, they're affecting people around me. And if I want to change Central Florida, and I want to change the earth, and you want to change Central Florida, and you want to change the earth, let's bring it home. If you want to change your brother or sister, your mom or your dad, your cousin, your aunt, your uncle, whoever it is, you want to change them, give them something to want to be changed into. But if, you're, if there are no lines, and lines do not take away joy. Lines take away sin. Do <laughs> you hear me? It doesn't take away, man, this kingdom thing is full of life and possibilities and it's amazing. It doesn't take that away. It takes away the separation that you will find without morals. The separation you will find without them that you will experience from God. The Father's not looking for a way to say, you little rascal, I, mm, I can't wait to get a hold. He's not looking for that, Sidney. He's not looking for that, Pam. What the Father's looking for is a way to say, man, I just want to show you how much I love you. And what, today what I want to do is I've, I've used Steve Parker. Today it just happened to be me. Tomorrow it might be somebody else. But today I've used Steve Parker to open your eyes. And if you will open your eyes today, I'm also giving you an opportunity to repent and find morality again. Because my heart is for you. I can tell you the Father's heart is for you. He is for you. Let me read one last scripture. Turn with me if you would, please. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. 1 Corinthians 15 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Well, it doesn't get any clearer than that. Let's, let's say it together. Do not be deceived. In fact, look at the person somewhere near you, whoever it is, beside, in front, behind. But look at somebody and point your finger, stick your finger right in their face and say, Do not be deceived. I'm looking into the camera and I'm pointing at you. Do not be deceived. Bad company, Bad company. 
ruins good morals. So what does that mean? What, what do I do with that? Bad company, not the song, but bad company. Bad company ruins good morals. What does that mean? I'm going to look around at the company I keep. If they are making it very difficult for me to find my moral compass. You hear me? If they're the lamb in front of me, leading me to what they think is a feast instead it's a slaughter. Bad company corrupts good morals. What am I going to do? I'm going to look around at the company I keep. Here's, I'm going to change company. That company is going out of business. And I'm going to start a new company over here that has found morality and found a way to honor God. Do you hear me? Do you hear me today? But Steve, you don't understand, man. I've been keeping that company for a long time. And look at the condition of your life. (laughs) What? They make me happy. If they make you happy in immorality. You might, find, find, might need to find some company, and you do need to find some company that make you find joy in morality. You don't understand. These are my whatever. I, listen, I do understand. But I'm going to tell you again what I said a few weeks ago. And sometimes it costs you. I have a lot of friends. Not as many today as I did at one time. But I have a lot of friends. And I can tell you there is no friend that I have that is more important than leading you well. And there is no friend that I have that will ever, I will ever, ever keep where I feel like my morals are compromised. Those relationships aren't worth it. I'll leave any changes up to God. It's not up to me. But what is up to me is the changes I can make today. Let me read this last statement I wrote. It says the, I wrote, the redeeming power of salvation isn't just that we can know God again. This is a beautiful thing. Think about what I'm about to tell you. Salvation isn't just what we do when we say, God, I receive Jesus Christ. I repent of my sins. That's simply a doorway. But salvation for us happens every single day, Marshall. Every day, Chris. Salvation happens for us every single day. So listen to what I'm going to say. The redeeming power, that magnificent, amazing, supernatural power of salvation isn't just so that we can know God again. He didn't, he doesn't save us just to know him again. But it is so that we now have access to all that he is. Even his way of seeing things. He saves us to himself so that we can see the way he sees He doesn't redeem us just so we can sit at his table. 
He doesn't invite us in just so that we can walk in and we can say, mm, I'm part of the Christian club. Every day he saves us so that we can see the way that he sees and so that we can know the way that he knows, so that we can dive deep into the ways and the purposes of God. That's what he's after. That's the incredible, magnificent power of salvation is that it allows me to begin to see again what he sees. Father, somehow I lost sight of how you saw this. But today I repent. And just like that, salvation comes. And your eyes are open. Today, the words that I'm speaking have become salvation to some through the power of Christ. Because he delivered the word. I happen to be the one opening my mouth. But it's his words you're hearing. Today, opportunity has come. Would you stand with me? I'm not going to ask anyone to come to the front. What I am going to ask is that you lay your hands on yourself this morning. Because I know that in this room, my heart and my prayer, and we're going to pick this up next week and we're going to continue going forward. I don't know how it will look, but I know it will be fun. I know that the world out there has, again, with laughter, with disrespect, they use the name of God loosely. They don't give it any, it has no authority anymore. They can talk about heaven or hell like it's a Circle K down the street. Do I want to go to Circle K or, or do I want to go to Shell? That's how it's seen and visualized. But I can tell you today, there's a place in the Father. That is heavenly. It isn't out in the sweet, sweet by and by. It's in the right now and here. There's a place in him that is heavenly. But if I'm going to recognize that place, I first I have to recognize who he really is. And he isn't just some dude that people come in a building and worship. He isn't my buddy. He's my father. And I'm going to honor him like a father. He's my creator, and I'm going to honor him like my creator. He gave me everything that he is, and I'm going to be thankful for what he gave me, and I'm not going to treat it loosely. I'm going to honor it. I'm going to respect it. And he made a way for me to grow and to prosper and to change and to be healed and, and to be blessed. And I want to walk in that way, and I want to do the things that will, will honor him. I want to do the things so that when I lay my head down at night, if I'm married with my spouse, if I'm single, alone, and I lay my head down at night, the Father can say, you are a son or a daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Well done, you good and you faithful child. Do you hear me today? So, I can tell you what I do know. Not because I know of situations. But I can feel it. There's repenting. That needs to happen. And really I know it only. Be, I know it if for no other reason. I know it because he put this word in my heart. He wouldn't have put it in my heart. If there weren't people that needed this today. And we all need it. On one level or another. But salvation is near you today. How close it gets is up to you. Salvation is near you today. Whether it becomes a part of you. It's completely up to you. 
if you've lost sight of what honors him. Today, he wants to restore your vision. Put your hands on yourself. Father, today, say this with me. Say, I, say I, I lay hands on myself, lay hands on myself and, I you, and I stand before you, Father. Anything in me Anything that has dishonored you, whether it be on purpose or unknowingly, I repent. Let me see today as you see. May salvation come to this house in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we're going to pick up again next week where we're leaving off today. And we're going to continue to talk about finding morality. We're going to make a difference in the earth. Can I encourage you when you leave this building today, begin to consider what you have not. Begin to think again about those things that you pushed aside. And let and do nothing. Nothing. Do nothing because the crowd is doing it. If you find yourself doing what the crowd is doing, let it not be because the crowd's doing it, but because it is the word of the Lord and it is righteous. Amen. I love you. I bless you. Make his name great.